Welcome to the one within all back to Interverse. And today is a show long in the making. I'm hosting a conversation with the one and only Mike Brinkelly, also better known for his extremely witty podcast named Mikeadelic. Pretty much doesn't get better than that in terms of titling your show. And when it comes to what he's about and what I'm about, it's pretty obvious that we've got a lot of convergence and alignment. His tagline for the show is liberty, psychedelics, and self-empowerment. Well, psychedelics just is a word that means like to make the soul clear or the mind clear etymologically. And in terms of what we do on Interverse, a lot of the conversations are highly psychedelic without necessarily involving plant medicine, but we definitely overlap in an interest with those type of tools that we can use for the self-empowerment part of the tagline. So I'm excited to have a freewheeling, freestyle conversation with Mike about freedom, <laughs> because in 2020, I think more people than ever are like, wait a minute, we don't just automatically have freedom. We have to actually do something about it. And there's been a lot of going along to get along. And while I might not be mad at you for going along to get along, the fact is that going along to get along is what got places like Russia and China where they are um, and genocides and all kinds of nasty stuff. So Let's keep it real, folks, and actually be ourselves and hold down the truth wherever we can, however we can, even if it's through simple acts of civil disobedience or openly speaking our minds on the uh, Internet airwaves or with people in our personal life. And I think the people in our personal life are the ones that really need us most, because if we're not living our best life and empowering ourselves, then it doesn't matter what we say or what our opinions are. Our life isn't going to have... <laughs> the type of vibe to it that makes someone else look at us and go, maybe they do know what they're talking about. So I think all around, we should be taking the 2020 that we're, we're given as a chance to sharpen our sword and improve our rhetoric and get to the bottom of just why we're in the type of situations we're in. And cognitive liberty is the foundation of all other forms of liberty. If you can't think your own thoughts or you don't even know that the thoughts that you're thinking were programmed into you, you got a long way to go. But that's not the case with this audience. I know all of you have developed enough symbolic literacy and self-knowledge to be able to have psychic self-defense wherever necessary against single vampires, group vampires, <laughs> energy drainers of all time. But hey, it's time now to uh, go ahead and build this space, create some inspiration and uh, hopefully have a very unconventional conversation. <laughs> and I'm excited to have you here, Mike. Guys, check out MikeBrank.com, linked in the show notes if you want to find Mike Adelic or just look it up on anywhere that the interwebs surf podcasts. I'm pretty sure you'll find it. And uh, leave me an Apple review too, because that always helps more people find the show. And don't forget on Patreon, you can support Mike or myself. If you support Interverse on Patreon for five bucks a month, you get the second hour of this conversation and every other. So it's a pretty good deal. Definitely a good deal, actually. There's no two ways around it. Let's get this party started with the... Uh, psychedelic podcaster of the uh the year in terms of being an awesome guy <laughs> really excited to finally make this happen it's been a long time coming we've been talking back and forth through email for ages but here we are it's now welcome to interverse mike well thanks for having me chance appreciate it what an intro that's great i definitely uh am on board with everything you said so well, i have a very long complicated italian last name which is why i shortened it for my website so it's just brank b-r-a-n-c but so it's brankatelli but but you you were in the ballpark and that's good <laughs> it counts it counts it counts it's a long complicated italian last name i get it it happens that's all one the of time. the few jobs we got is to get the name right 
I even thought uh, I had it. You know, but it's, it's, not it's the hard first with time. the pronunciation. Yeah, yeah. And and I like what you said about uh, psychedelics because my show uh, is is not just about psychedelics, compounds, substances, you know, uh, plant medicines, but about that mind manifesting that clear thought, you know, and, 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 and freedom and liberty, which is, I think is the basis for, um, you know, living a good life. Well, let's just start with the basics. I mean, I'm kind of getting to know you here. I've popped into your show here and there as I can, but you know, as you know, there's a lot of information out there to spread the love through. But I'd love to know more about how you got onto this path. I bet that we'll have a lot of commonality in our story since we appear to be roughly the same age and of the same culture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, where would you like me to start? Because I, I can go back to, to, you know, before birth. But where, <laughs> where, where <laughs> I mean, I start? If, if you feel that there's details there important to the story, go for it. I'm not here to censor you on that that's actually a pretty interesting topic in and of itself um mm. done some episodes about that like hypnotic regression pre-birth memories but uh, suffice to say we'd like to know the story of why you became empowered enough to start speaking about these topics on your own platform mm. yeah yeah good question um yeah i just uh I, I remember just growing up as a kid and just looking at the world and just being just asking a lot of questions and being like why why is this why do I have to go to school? Why at this time? Why, why do I have to learn this stuff? Why do I have to listen to these people? And um, yeah, and, and when you think like that, people don't, not a lot of people respond with curiosity and be like, oh, I wonder why this kid thinks that way. So I felt a lot of uh, resistance from parents, school, society, just everyone's trying to sort of, you know, contain me and tell me what to do as they do with, with a lot of children, a lot of kids, you know, you can't sit still in your chair at school and listen to some, you know, teacher drone on about boring stuff that you'll never remember. Uh, you must have ADHD, medicate them, give them methamphetamine basically. So I, that happened to me and I just really resented authority. Uh, you know, I felt like I had my own, I felt a sense of my own autonomy and my own, uh, beingness and I wanted to express it. Uh, so that led, that, you know, led me on a quest to, for truth. And I always liked comedy. I always felt comedy, good comedy tells truth in a really funny way. And it's funny because it's true. And so I loved like Bill Hicks and George Carlin and Greg Giraldo and Dave Chappelle and later on Louis C.K. and Bill Burr, people like that. And, uh, and so I started doing stand up at a college in, in college, I was like writing movies and, and doing like little short films and stuff. And then started doing comedy in New York for about three years, met a, a guy named uh, Dave Smith, who hosts a show called part of the problem as a libertarian podcast. I started getting into psychedelics and libertarianism and esoteric ways of thinking and, and ancient wisdom and consciousness and listening to Alan Watts and Joseph Campbell and Terrence McKenna and just all this stuff. My mind was just being totally blown. And, uh, so I started, um, doing the show with him. I did that show for a few years, 2014, 15, and 16, I think, or 13, 14, 15. And then I left in 16 to focus on Mycadelic. I started drinking ayahuasca, going down to Peru. Uh, and then I, I decided that I wanted to dive more into my own show. And, um, and I've been doing that ever since. And uh, it's been awesome. It's been great. That's cool, man. I got a lot of inspiration from... Pretty much every name that you dropped in that list of either comedians or philosophers, there comes a man, a point in a man's life or a woman's life where all of a sudden 
a door opens for some people it might just be a window cracks and they have to go take a crowbar to it to get it open the rest of the way with something like magic mushrooms or ayahuasca but at some point that opening gets there and then you just start digging it out trying to get as much of that flow of knowledge into you as possible because we get in this idea in our culture of like boredom and the need for entertainment and that learning is boredom. Like you said, being in school, having to go through that whole training for order following that modern education actually is. But, but once you open the gates, you're like, wait, every question I answer gives me two to four to 12 more questions. And it's like this infinite expansion that takes over. And all of a sudden, you're growing in multiple directions at once, but it's all one unit and things seemingly that aren't even related become part of the same path for you. And uh, obviously that's what's happened here. Learning stand-up or practicing stand-up, no easy task. I, I have I have to say, I've thought about it before and there's a lot to it, man. And it's it can be a very powerful vehicle for philosophy and truth, but that translates really well to being able to just speak casually off the cuff with people as a host and with the type of things you've been doing for so long. I mean, that's a seven year solid of being on this like knowledge grind and also expressing it. It's pretty impressive, but I want to talk about, you mentioned the fact that kids are going to get methed up if they are too antsy and it's definitely a shame. It's not even funny as much as I can laugh at the darkness, but there's this, it's kind of diminishing now, but there's this drug resistance in our culture and it's ironic because it's already a super druggy culture. And all that's really going on is that there's been a magic word put out there called drugs. And then that's encompassing a bunch of things that actually exist in nature and things that don't exist in nature. And yet we're ca categorizing it as the same stuff. So I guess to make a question out of this point, and you can go anywhere you want with your response, of course, but what is a healthy relationship with we'll say psychedelics, but you know, any kind of substance that you're using for an effect, like what does a healthy relationship look like? Because that's the, I think that's one of the things that gets people turned off to psychedelics is not everyone does it with a healthy relationship. And then you can see some bad results with that too, not to turn anyone off from exploring, but I think, you know what I'm getting at. Sure. Yeah. I think it's a, you know, it's a great question because it is, it's very, much aligned with a healthy relationship with food or a healthy relationship just in general with people. You know, when you, when you hang out with someone or when you eat something really good, it, it, it satisfies you. You feel nourished, you feel fulfilled, you feel like you've gained something, you feel like you're maybe inspired or you're just clear thinking, you know? So with psychedelics and, and, and that kind of work and even just drugs in general, you know, you have to look at the sort of risk reward factor. You have to look at, um, you know, your intention, why are you doing this? Um, not, you know, you using them as tools, not leaning on them as crutches or as escapes necessarily, you know, escapes every now and then are good and fun, you know, get in, get into a good, a good sci-fi movie or something like that, or, you know, go to a festival and have some, some good acid and, you know, some good MDMA test it, make sure it's good. And, you know, but, but, uh, but when you're working with them as, as tools or whatever, whatever your intention is to take them, you know, be in alignment with that intention and, and use them uh, with respect and reverence because they are very powerful um, and uh, they can be very transformative. And, uh, and, you know, drugs in general, I think that we, 
you know, we often have in our mainstream society, there's this sort of image of drugs as like this back alley thing, dealers and crack and people passed out and things like that. But really, I mean, we interact with drugs all day, every day. Every, everyone does, whether you drink tea or coffee or whether you watch media, television, whatever you're doing, you're, you're, you're altering your consciousness and shaping it to, to be a particular kind of way. So I think balance and health respect, reverence, um, and, and compassionate curiosity for yourself uh, and, and anyone else that you might bring into that sphere is, is, uh, is, is probably the way to go is, is what I would say. I think that's a great answer. Pretty much sums it up. My personal relationship to talk about psychedelics more is that at a certain point, actually, you know, they suggested their own disuse to me at a point where there was so much to integrate from experiences I already had that I didn't feel super called to like jump back in there. And in fact, the feeling of being on a psychedelic, which is like getting loose of the constraints of your programming or even sometimes like 3D material meat space, <laughs> that well, once that door is open, the window's cracked, you can pretty much get back into that zone. But what keeps people from getting back into that zone, and I know from my own experience is that if my health starts to my health or my emotional health or, you know, my mental practices, I don't, I don't meditate a lot or in any way, if the less I'm taking care of myself, the more that that door locks up, gets shut, calcifies, if you will. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering about you, like with your journey through these things, um, has it been, you know, has the amount you felt called to use them changed over time? Uh, because, you know, I'll, I'll still in the right moment, do something impulsively and know that I've got the right set and setting that it's going to work out. And even if I didn't set it up to be like, okay, this is a ceremonial thing. Um, you can make any, you can bring reverence to anything, even if mm -hmm. it's ostensibly recreation that you're doing, because bringing reverence is just like paying attention. Your spiritual currency is your attention. So that's kind of my two cents on it, but love to know how that maybe has evolved over time for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so when I was younger, you know, I took, I just took a lot of drugs when I was like in high school and, you know, I, I was just interested in partying and laughing and girls and just, that was my world for a, a large chunk of my youth. So I was just like doing things without really that reverence, you know, it was just kind of like, Oh, let's get high. Let's get messed up. And, uh, then I, I had a very profound LSD experience at a music festival and it's, it sort of changed things because at that time I was reading stuff and I remember reading Steve Jobs biography and he said taking LSD was one of the most important things that he had ever done in his life. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting because, you know, in Dare, they told me I was going to I was going to go mentally, you know, I was going to go insane. And uh, so that led me on a path of, of, of seeking out information and like researching things. And then I started really just diving into to that and listening to you know, for example, with mushrooms, I was listening to Terrence McKenna and he was like, this is, this is how you do them. Five dried grams and silent darkness. And I'm like, all right, great, let's do it. And, uh, so I was exploring and exploring. And then I also got a message like that, like, Hey buddy, like slow your, slow your roll. You got, you know, 
you got some work to do. And that, and then I just started discovering what, what this work, what it, what it meant to do work. What is this all about? And reading about young and the shadow and reading, you know, reading about integration and just reaching out. And thankfully I also started developing a podcast around that time as, and so I could interview and talk to people about this stuff. Um, and yeah, and I, and I just, uh, I use them, I use them uh, ceremonially, uh, mostly, um, when it comes to certain substances, uh, therapeutically as well, uh, when it comes to like MDMA or ketamine and, and also recreationally as well. You know, I think that there's, there's something to be said about the, just the pure fun and love that comes out from being, you know, at a place where. I'm sure a lot of us would be want to be right now is at like a concert or a live music venue or something happening with with people that are just experiencing love in in a, in a collective. And so, yeah, I I, um, I try and 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 just uh, I spent uh, about six months at an ayahuasca center in Peru working with Shipibo healers and and uh, and other people there, and I picked up a lot of really good information about how to work with. Uh, you know, psychedelics and plant medicine. And I've tried to approach it that way. Very cool. Very cool. Definitely agree with the, like we just, like I said before, you categorize all these things as one word drugs, but it's a bunch of different tools for a bunch of different purposes. Cannabis, for example, one of the side effects of it being criminalized for so long is that most people that only ever maybe dip their toes into that lovely lady of the lake <laughs> they they you know they got a certain experience a certain feeling not really realizing that there's a whole bunch of different kinds of cannabis it's this amazing it's practically its own universe of potential and we're just just scratching the surface of what different cannabinoids are really up to and how our body with natural already there cannabinoid receptors like how it works with that stuff and honestly there's a there's a theory that you could put forward that we co-developed with this plant for a, such a long time that it's literally ingrained in our biology. But the important thing <clears throat> about the differences is, <clears throat> excuse me, important thing about the differences is you've got your sativas and your indicas, right? These two basic things. And I'm, a lot of you out there probably already realize this, but a sativa is going to be a lot more in your mind and a lot more kind of energizing and some really strong but good sativas you might not even feel quote unquote stoned it's kind of like a flow state activator and then the indicas are in your body they slow you down they bring you into a more restful mode and so you might have tried smoking weed for a while and got a lot of indicas and thought i can't smoke this all the time uh, because i can't get anything done or i feel too lethargic and it's really a question of like if you've got the right thing there so uh I was I was lucky enough to go on a trip over to your neck of the woods in Colorado a couple of weeks ago and was able to actually know what I was getting. And that's one of the upsides of legalization uh, that, you know, I'm not super stoked on governments taxing anything else because that's already a ridiculous amount of theft going on. It's beyond the pale. But at least there is that upside that is now becoming accessible medicinally and you know, if we're going to have a recreational substance to use, I'd much rather people be out and about on cannabis than like drunk. So we're mm -hmm. on any mm -hmm. number of pharmaceuticals that a lot of people live on. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if you have any thoughts to riff on the legalization thing, I know that 
you're in the heart of it. And if I'm not mistaken, even to some degree, you have been involved with aspects of that and not just with cannabis, right? Yeah. So I'm in Denver. Uh, and when I moved here, the initiative 301 for decriminalizing psilocybin mushrooms in the city and county of Denver was just getting rolling. So uh, I had some people there on, on the podcast and and then I decided to sort of get involved as much as I could and uh, help, you know, attend events and pass out flyers and information, things like that. And um, yeah, and just speak out about it as well. Uh, I think it's just, uh, you know, this is, this is our innate birthright is to be able to claim sovereignty over our bodies, our minds, our souls, our spirits. Uh, I think any other, uh, infringement on the right to have access to that, to yourself, uh, is, is, is one of the biggest tragedies of all time. And I think, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big believer in, Graham Hancock's war on consciousness, uh, Ted talk that he gave everything that he said in there. Uh, I, I talk about quite often. And, and I think that that is a large part of why we are living in, in such a crazy world. We have really severed our connection and demonized these, these plants and these practices and not just plants and practices, but also just any mode of thought that operates out of the ordinary, you know, that's so a lot of the psychedelics and theogens will be called non-ordinary states of consciousness or altered states. So that the, anything that's sort of abnormal, altered, non-ordinary gets pushed away. Uh, but what does that do, you know, for us as individuals, for the communities that we live in, our society, culture, it, it wreaks a lot of havoc, you know, and when you, when you have things that can really heal and be transformative like mushrooms I think that there's so much opportunity to unleash that uh, onto society. One of the things that psychedelics do is they quiet the default mode network in your mind. So there's, there's communication that can happen in different areas of the brain and that new neural pathways can be formed from, from old sort of worn down trauma pathways. And that's where the, the healing can, can take place. And I imagine that you know, if we can do that in an, in, in an individual, I think we can do that on a societal level. Maybe it has to start smaller. So there's a lot of decriminalization efforts and legalization efforts happening. I think there's one happening in Oregon that they're voting on shortly. And, um, you know, it's just very exciting to see that, uh, that these things can kind of make their way into the, the more mainstream public space. Uh, uh, and, and once that happens, just like cannabis, just like we see here in Denver, you know, everybody's going to the dispensary, grandma, you know, mom, dad, everybody, because cannabis is a plant that has 72 active alkaloids. It's amazing for all kinds of different things. And, uh, you know, the, the shamans of the, of the rainforest in Peru, they look at the, the rainforest, the jungle there as like a, a pharmacy. It's just, they go in there and they just pick the plants that they need. And so I'd like to see something, uh, like we can get back to that kind of thing. I think it's important. I think it's important to, have uh, cognitive liberty and liberty, the freedom to choose how, uh, you know, our bodies, our minds, our choice. And I think that can do wonders for people. And I think it could do wonders for the places in which we live in as well. I'm totally right on with you there. And that's a very interesting point about the way that psychedelics kind of decompartmentalize sections of your mind. There's fairly recent within a few years research that was done I think it was on psilocybin or maybe LSD, probably psilocybin at John Hopkins, but they showed like mm -hmm. brain yeah. scans and the blood flow 
between sections of the brain that were normally walled off was increased. It was like every part of the brain was talking to every other part of the brain all of a sudden. It's like a unification. And we look at the world and what's wrong with the world mostly is this corporate compartmentalization. Whatever hierarchy of false authority that men create, they tend to do it such that people on top have certain knowledge and certain roles. People in the middle have certain knowledge and certain roles. People on bottom. And everything works as these individual parts that only get what they need to know on a need to know basis. And not, damn it, our brains have been turned into that. That's how far we've gone in reverse from nature and from the oneness of being a part of everything like you can be whenever you break down those walls, either, either temporarily or through sustained practice or through a combination of of uh, a lot of different methods. So I, I think that's a very interesting thing because that, that, that's trauma 101 when you start investigating the shadow it's like whoa there's actually muscle tension at this part of my body that whenever i release it through yoga or through something relaxing all of a sudden this memory floats back in my mind and because it's actually you're actually storing all the stuff that you feel like doesn't jive with who you're supposed to be and <laughs> who you're supposed to be is you are what you are and uh, the rest of it is just a story and you get to write your own story. But this compartmentalization thing, I think it's a really key parallel between society and the, the brain of modern people and just more evidence of the fractal interconnectedness and of in everything and how everything's really just one thing expressing itself infinite ways. Mm hmm. Yeah. 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 That you nailed it with that for sure. And, you know, the more compartmentalization that you have, the more fracturing, the more division, the more isolation, uh, the, the more opportunities that there are for people to just really just stew in their own sort of developing pathologies. And um, that's sort of what we're seeing happening in the world right now is just uh, a war of narratives, a war of stories. And this pandemic has exacerbated it because we're all being told to, to stay away from each other. So it's, it's uh, you know, people need to be connected. We need to be connected. The brains need to be connected. Uh, it, it's, 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 it's a vital importance, I think. If there's anything that's indicative of the psychedelic experience, it's always uh, the common tropes are love, unification, one oneness, uh, and uh, diversity and novelty, you know, and, uh, and, and I think that that's, uh, it's just key, man. You know, it's like, uh, for me, psychedelics don't mean anything if it doesn't mean, you know, making the world a better place as well. You know, it's like individual healing. Yes. hundred percent. But, you know, healing doesn't happen in a vacuum. It happens in, in communities of, of, of people that, that, uh, really want to participate in, in reality. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm trying to participate in reality. That's my goal too. I'd like to get back to reality and out of the uh the war of narratives, the cuz for me the matrix what I've come to realize the real matrix is language. And yeah. I, I I it blew my mind a, a while back, not too long ago where I found this old piece of writing. I already mentioned this on the show, but guys, it's too crazy. I got to tell Mike too. I found this old piece of writing from a guy in the mid 1800s and it was like a um how to control your slave manual, basically. Ironically, the dude's name was Lynch. His last name was Lynch. And Jesus. So, yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. But he specifically just laid out how you make sure that the slave only has the language he needs to perform his job and that whatever words he's got to describe his life or his living situation are such that he thinks that he could never rise past that station and that he's got it as good as possible. And that's basically what was going on in America. Like, 
America, make, you know, we've, we've got the best country in the world, but I happen to know for a fact that people in Russia or China before a communist take over and, uh, and thousands or millions of people get killed. People were like, yeah, we've, you know, afterwards, even people ha had that same idea because the information of what could be different is kept away from them. So this all loops back around to something you said earlier about how you had a profound LSD experience because of what you were reading. And I think this is a really key point. Uh, it's something that I've kind of determined in, ter in terms of why some people can use psychedelics even regularly and not seem to change very much or maybe even spiral further downward into darkness or me mental illness, schizophrenia. Schizophrenia, which, by the way, is the the uh, permanence of the schisming and the fractionering of the mind that's all it is is you now have so many com disconnected compartments that they're like they're fighting each other for control <laughs> and that's that's demonic possession in brain chemistry and i think that's basically it's a, like they're the same thing really and mm. you just have different ways of describing it but there's this there's these ideas that can serve as a scaffolding for your consciousness expansion or ascension but if you go into the space and you and you juice everything up but you don't have that scaffolding I don't know if it's very easy to ascend. Now, maybe naturally the human spirit would soar, but you've also got all this negative knowledge in people's minds that does the opposite. It's like um, <laughs> it's like a slide downwards instead of a, a, a ladder to the light. But well, I was wondering out of this, like as far as a question goes or to toss it back to you is what kind of mental scaffolding were you climbing on right then whenever you had some profound growth out of a, a psychedelic like that. Yeah, that's a really good point that you just made. Um, I, I was just, I was just with that curiosity that I always had and that, that sort of like, there's gotta be something more, like there's gotta be something else, you know, that's, that's kind of where my mind was. So I took to the internet, I took to podcasts, I took to YouTube, I took to uh, books. And um, so uh, the scaffolding that I was uh, that I was building was one that was just trying to investigate something that felt true and real and uh, interesting. And um, yeah, I, I think I was good for for that period of time. But there is, you know, this uh, Carl Jung quote that I that I like, where he says, be prepared of unearned unearned wisdom you know when you step into the room where god lives like can you handle that or are you going to get your face blown off you know like indiana jones and the raiders of the lost ark they open that ark at the end thinking they're going to unleash this great power and the guy gets his face melted and everybody else gets you know uh so it's it, it is you do have to sort of set the stage i think and 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 when you're going into experimenting with these substances that like you you have some kind of foundation when you open that door there's no going back really you know like the, it's and that is to say that if you're doing it with an intention to you know at least because again like you said some people don't change because they just take them as 
recreational things or whatever. They just don't have, they just don't have that scaffolding. And I, and I would just say that like, it, it really, really helps to have an understanding of psychology and, and to have an understanding of spirituality and what it means and why you're doing it. It really, really helps that preparation. You know, a lot of people talk about integration, but it's really about the preparation too, to, to make sure that you are ready to embark on a journey. Just like if you were going to travel to Taiwan or something, you know, you're like, Hey, I want to go to, to Taiwan for vacation. And, and you're going there. It's going to be dramatically different than the world that you're used to living in, especially if it's like the first time you ever left the States, the first time you got on a plane. So it's like, you want to probably prepare a little bit, do a little research, see what the cities are like, what your accommodations are going to be, what the language is going to be, you know, hence why they, call it taking a trip, you know? So the parallels are really, really similar. You just want to make sure that you're, you really have something that's semi-stable that you could stand on until that thing breaks. And then you have, you're going to have another thing that's going to, that's going to be there waiting. So it's sort of an endless pursuit, I think, not necessarily sort of the, the medical hegemonic, you know, scientific reductionist monopoly view of just like, well, you just take this and you're better. It's like this is an ongoing sort of uh, journey and, and, and unfolding. I love that. Yeah, there's a lot of parallels to the trivium method of learning and what you're describing there. Trivium is described many different ways, but you could also apply the preparation experience or like a engaged experience, maybe attentive experience, and then integration as the three steps of how real learning actually occurs. And like you said, too, uh, I at least I inferred this, that the integration, when properly done, flows into the preparation. They're similar. They're not completely distinct from each other, step to step. Like your preparation for a journey isn't just the week that you're getting ready and packing and learning the culture that you're about to go jump into. It's also everything in your life up to that point that made you who you are to, so that you are actually ready to go on that kind of a journey. And and even if you out there, guys, you do psychedelics for the first time sometime in the future and you're like, oh, I'm not ready for this. You are. If you're there, just remember what I'm saying right now. <laughs> if, it, if it seems too extreme, this too shall pass. And that's actually a great lesson you can get out of a hard part of a, a psychedelic experience, too. It's like, wow, I went I thought I was dying <laughs> and it was OK. And then all of a sudden it's like that fear of death gets a, a notch the, the volume gets turned down a notch and and meditation can do that for us too. But the, the face melting yeah. metaphor really made me laugh because I was thinking like <laughs> your face is obviously it's like the, the representative of your ego. It's the unique part of your body. Take off someone's face. It could be a, another person with a similar body, right? Like it's the ego death for sure. And so don't, don't go open in the Ark of the Covenant with uh, impurity in your ego or it's going to get completely melted off. Like they say at, at music festivals I go to, that guy yeah. lost his face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I lost mine a couple of times, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's just uh it's really important because you're going to have you're going to have a a much better experience. Not to say that it's going to be a happier, nicer experience necessarily, but it's just going to be done in a in a sort of more proper way to hold like some kind of a container for you so you're not bouncing all over the place and you know, uh a, a lot of these things like that they're, they're it's unexpected you know you never know you hear stories about other people's trips and experiences but they're all different everybody's is different and and it's different every time you know so i think that there's there also has to be sort of a, a willingness to accept 
um, you know, a surrendering to the experience, a surrendering to whatever comes and whatever will be. And that really comes with a little bit of more of a lessening of fear. And if you don't have that lessening of fear, at least you have the courage to go into that experience because it's a very brave thing to do to take, uh, psychedelics for the first time. Um, so, you know, that, that, uh, that, that's a really crucial and, and, and important step in the, in the process as well. It's just, uh, allowing what, what is to come to come. And, and, and then sometimes it's tough to, to make sense of it all, but you don't necessarily have to, uh, make sense of it all right away. Uh, you know, that sometimes it takes a long time to unpack that stuff, but in my experience, it's worth it. Totally. It does take a long time and you can even think you already had it all unpacked. And there's more there waiting for you. I, for example, was just describing one of the times to a friend. I was just describing one of the times I did DMT in my life, which I've probably done like a good 10 times total, which is a lot for something like that. (laughs) And this this one in particular experience, when I was retelling it, I actually realized more of what it meant in that in that retelling and hadn't thought about it for at that point quite a while. You know, it's sort of. The ripples of that integration, each experience, they, they may get those rings of ripples get a little further out, but it keeps rippling. You know, I still expect that I'll be 50 years old someday and I'll think back on this trip and I'll be like, oh, wow. But it was very simple. I launched into the center of a mandala of infinite lights and colors that were symmetrically spinning. And in the middle of it was this ambiguous, indistinguishable silhouette of a figure in a meditating pose. And I was just staring at it and I was getting bewildered by the spinning lights. And I thought to myself, what am I supposed to get from this? I asked the question. And when you ask a question, especially in that space, you're going to get an answer. The only answer I got, go with the flow. I hear this in my mind and all of a sudden something clicks. And instead of the lights spinning in this rotational pattern, now I'm spinning at the exact same speed and direction of the lights. And so everything is now still because my perspective is aligned with the flow of nature. And I was like, whoa. Whoa, I just keep getting more out of thinking about that. Like it me, it represents so much. And uh, <laughs> that's the value that you can get out of an uh, experience like that. It's like one of the, but you need to really, like the reason I remember it so well is I immediately told several people exactly what happened the second I came out of it. So, cause it'll just disappear otherwise mm-hmm. or sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if you have any, fun stories like that. But I also want to revisit this topic of plant knowledge, relationship with plants, how the, the jungle guys do things and, you know, describe more of that. And then we can kind of talk about what that might mean. Sure. Yeah. So prior to going down and I went first went down to Peru in 2016, uh, to an ayahuasca center down there in the Amazon. And prior to that, I was just sort of, um, doing psychedelics uh by myself in my room in silent darkness and also out at festivals and shows and things like that and you know reading and and, and everything but going down there really brought me into the mythology and cosmology of the Shipibo healers the you know indigenous people of those lands their practices their beliefs their worldviews their perspectives and um you know, what it really, what it, what it all means, uh, beyond just the individual experience that I was having from consuming the brew. Uh, so I became more activated in the realm of ecology and, and, you know, just the more thoughtful, 
thoughtful about the interconnectedness of all life and the health of the soil and, you know, the relationship to, you know, these people have deep, deep, uh, and, you know, goes back generations of knowledge and stories passed down about the, the, the environment that they live in, the trees, the plants, the flowers, the birds, the insects, everything has uh, its, its part and its place in these people's lives. You know, it's this whole way of, of, of being and living with balance, you know, just taking an, enough from nature to build like a little hut and, you know, using the local water, you know, all these ways to, to, you know, I guess what we would call like regenerative, right. Or living with reciprocity. And so, so yeah, that, and also the, the practice of becoming a healer, becoming somebody that goes into these realms and works with these, these plants uh, and what that means and what that entails and what that looks like. A lot of the, well, in the Shipibo tradition, they talk about, you know, where they sing these songs, the Ikaro, the Ikaro is the, the, the healing songs that they'll sing in front of you. And they say that they, they've gotten those songs from the plants. This information came to them from the plants. They ingest the plants and they talk to the plants. They develop a relationship with the plants. So, so everything down there with them in that setting is really deep and connected and relationship based. There's a, there's, as we were talking about before, a reverence and a respect for the, the entire world in which they occupy. Unlike us, of course, who's, you know, in the Western model, we're trying to, you know, dominate and extract everything and convert natural things to, 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 for resources and money and all this kind of stuff, their worldview and their stories that they tell they're, they're rich and they're, they're deep and, and they're really colorful. And, um, that created a whole new sense of, of, this feeling of, of connectedness to the whole earth and this aliveness uh, of everything that I was around. Um, and it was, uh, it was, it was amazing. It was magical. And so since then I've been very invested in just that kind of, of way of being and trying to create my life more like that and try and, you know, sort of shed light and talk about some of the things that uh, are going on in our world that if maybe we had more of an indigenous perspective that maybe we could sort of, help uh i don't know turn the ship around or something totally i think the key difference in perspective between the indigenous and the colonial mind would be that we're either feeling ourselves to be a part of nature property of nature as in a property an expression of a quality of you know not like ownership but the deeper meaning of what a property really is and we are property of nature. That's just what it is. And whenever we apply our gifts to create, that's a very big responsibility. The type of art that follows nature is in alignment with nature, like building hut, for example, but it could be more complex than that. I feel that is not taking anything away from nature that wasn't sort of given freely, or at the very least, it's not attempting to possess it. You know, this hut is going to turn into what it was going to turn into either way within time. It's going to, de it's going to degrade, decay, return to the soil, become a new type of plant, a new type of life form. But what we do in the West in particular is we have forms of art that are purely exploitative of nature. And 
And that's actually backwards. That's the inverse. And really, when we look at evil, it's just inverting what is natural. That's the only thing evil can do as it is not nature itself. It's therefore non-creative. It's just a scavenger in a way. I say it all the time, but live, if you spell it backwards, it's evil. So don't invert your life. <laughs> and that's that's what we're doing. We, we take things from nature, from source, you know, we call it wood or we call it a rock or a mineral. But as soon as we've taken it from source, now it's a resource and we've applied this magical word phrase to it. And now suddenly it's okay that this is my property. It's not nature's property. It's my property. And we've got it backwards. You are nature's property. You're <laughs> just like the rock is nature's property. And we can have a, a, we can have art. We can have creativity. We can have even technology. Technology actually just means art in the etymological roots of that word. But again, if it's all inverted, we're going to have a bad time. It's a our nature that we're destroying because it's we are nature. I don't think it can be said enough, really. Yeah, I remember seeing a meme like a little while ago. I forget who made it, but it was uh, said something like we're not uh fighting to defend nature we are nature and we're fighting to defend ourselves um and i thought that was really great because yeah we're when we understand that we're a part of it and that every you know with the, there's there's repercussions for every action that, that we and when i say we i mean sort of like mass dominator society you know like the mass culture um you know it's it's uh <laughs> yeah that too i mean that's part of it you know that's mass culture and mass culture or one and the same, you know, it's this sort of, and like you said, I mean, it's, it's, it is the language, the language that we use, right? Like, so in war, it's like, oh, uh, he was killed. Uh, it was collateral damage and he was, uh, he became deceased from uh, friendly fire or like something like that. It's like, what do you mean? You're just like, someone shot him on our side. You know, so it's, we, ma we, we do mask uh, and quite literally right now. Uh, but metaphorically speaking, we have been masking and crafting and, you know, that's, that's a part of, of the dark arts, the sorcery and, and, and manipulation tactics used to form these sort of energetic prisons that are built with, you know, linguistically and symbolically. And, and that's, um, you know, those are really, really, really powerful. And so it's hard sometimes to think about other ways of doing things uh, when you're just kind of on this, this path and on this track. And uh, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's quite a fascinating thing to look into and, uh, and, and uh, be a part of, I guess. Right. Right. And I love how you pulled out that great wordplay. I mean, <laughs> I just was making a joke, but you're totally right that, there's personas on everything. A persona is a mask. I mean, even the word person, legally speaking, doesn't actually mean you, the flesh and blood, Mike. A person is a, a corporate legal entity that you represent and act as an agent of. It's very lost on 99.9% .9 of the people going along to get along that actually everything in society is totally just an offer. And you have all the power to decide everything for yourself, including the knowledge of right and wrong that's within you at all times. But to a word that I recently looked more deeply into, or honestly, all you got to do is take a word and like play around with it and go, wait, what does this sound like? Devoted, right? So many people are devoted to Swamp Thing, Orange Man. So many people are devoted to anybody that would oppose him just because they hate him so much. And like, let's just break that word apart. Devoted. All right, I'm devoted to my religion. I'm devoted to the Democratic Party. 
Well, that means you've de-voted. You've taken away your own ability to express your preference. And I won't get started on the legal meaning of the word vote because it doesn't mean selecting somebody to be anything. It's all just uh, for show, <laughs> legally speaking. But the fact remains, like, be careful what you're devoting yourself to. And look at that because it becomes just another compartmentalization of I'm this, I'm not that. And in fact, every type of noun that we apply to ourselves, or even adjectives for that matter, is never actually true because all that you are is what you are. And that's a process of becoming. It's a verb. It's transitive. And in fact, that's what nature is. It's ambiguous and amorphous and eternal. And that's when it comes down to it. That's what it means when we say you're nature, I'm nature, we're part of nature. It's, it means that all you are is that which you are, self-evidently and self-existing without any title, without any language attached to it. The logos itself is wordless. <laughs> mm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I like you keep you saying uh, you are what you are and, and that's so true. And and it's like we have to sort of, you know, in, in the time and age that we're living in now and I'd argue probably in a lot of different times, but especially now, there's a lot of um, chiseling away that has to occur, you know, to sort of get to that core. Because I do believe that everybody has this real core element of this super awesome, unique person that they are. And the world that we live in with the constant onslaught of media and and propaganda and all kinds of things, it can be hard to really find out who you really are and what you really want. But I think psychedelics can help play a part. I think meditation, float tanks, altered states of all kinds can help you quiet that space and, and tune into that, that little quiet, you know, part of you that, that maybe wasn't, uh, activated and start activating it. And it, and it can be a little bit of a challenging process. It could be a, a difficult process because a lot of the things that you thought you were, you, the, you, you, you were attaching to or identifying or claiming weren't really you and they start to fall away and you're like, well, who am I? And, you know, you're going in into that inverse, right? And, and discovering that. And, uh, and at the same time, it also helps to, to, to re-educate, you know, sort of like decondition and also re-educate uh, and, and um, yeah, and, and see what you can become. <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool game to play. <laughs> it is. I, this is the best video game ever. Life, I mean, <laughs> once you yeah. start realizing that, whoa, I am actually this eternal thing driving around the car and then you quit identifying with the car. Wow. I'm not that you shouldn't take care of the car. Obviously, it's not it's not actually separate in a sense. I always use the metaphor of like you're the seed that became the tree. And while it's a tree, the seed is gone. But at some point it's going to fractal out into hundreds more seeds and it's even still the tree will even still be there so yeah even, I, with that metaphor even the fear of like complete dissolution of self after death moving to a different maybe future lifetime or, or something like that you really there's really no evidence in nature to say that like the information of what you were in this particular go-round is just going to be lost forever and you know there's energy is never created or destroyed but I think uh, maybe in the last 10 minutes, I'd love to find out more about Mike Adelic, your show. And maybe you could tell us some cool things you've learned recently. Talk about particularly good episodes you think someone might want to check out that's new to the uh, the show, whether they're further back in the archive or something recent. What's been going on on your podcast? 
Yeah, thanks for asking. Uh, so I just put out an episode today with my friend Travis, who headed up the Decriminalize Denver initiative uh, to decriminalize mushrooms in, in Denver. And, and then he also runs the, the Denver Mushroom Cooperative. So check that one out. And uh, yeah, I've, I've been fortunate enough to have some really great people that I admire and respect and have been, you know, just looking up to on the show. One of my favorite episodes I did was with uh, Dr. Chris Ryan uh, about his book, Civilized to Death. That, that was a great great chat uh he finally got it done huh he did he finally got it done i used to listen to his show a lot yeah i i would do so i'd listen to his show and while i was walking dogs and then doing stand-up at night and in new york and so uh and and uh yeah he's been a good a big inspiration um I've had, uh, who else? Uh, Charles Eisenstein on the show. I'm a big fan of, love his books. And um, yeah, just a, just a bunch of people. I also put out solo podcasts where I sort of just rant about what's going on in the world. Um, and, you know, that I'm really, I'm really proud of because of the feedback that I get from them. Uh, it's really cool to see that people support someone who's just kind of like losing their mind on a microphone uh, and, and talking about, you know, the things that, that, affect our world and our reality because that's what i'm interested in the most is 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 that stuff and so yeah check out mike delic and um yeah just say scroll through and just see whatever title looks interesting to you but you know i did mention those couples so if you want to check those out and and now i'm starting to i'm going to start to release two episodes a week now i think i'm going to uh do a different format for the other one it's going to be i'm going to have a sort of a second mic and and have a a video component to it so Stay tuned for that. I'm excited for that. I'm I'm trying to uh, inject a little bit more comedy into those episodes, so I can. You know, I'm just kind of feeling called to do that. Some of the other episodes that I do, either the solo rants or the or the uh, guest ones, can can be a little heavier, serious, deeper. Um, so yeah, I'm just uh, excited about the, the the evolution of things. Uh, my favorite joke right now is to tell people that I caught the COVID nineteen, but it was pounds, not a virus. But I'm getting better, <laughs> getting back to it. And on that yeah. subject of the, you know, the societal restrictions that prevented me from going to a gym, didn't prevent me from exercising. Obviously, that's my own choice. Don't need a gym for that. But those type of things are what I want to talk about in the second hour. Hopefully, I mean, I guess I would say hopefully people aren't tired of hearing these type of discussions. But for us, I think it'll be different than the ones that are swirling around constantly and be worth having i i really want to really do want to discuss the topic of you know libertarianism or just the the freedom movement if you will the state of things here maybe the misinformation that is so constantly flooding us and how we can do our best to actually be transmitters of something positive and true and not just the the doom and gloom that is constantly circling around so we'll get to that but we'll kind of move towards the goalposts and maybe a minute or two early on this show. Don't usually do that to you guys in the free hour, but Hey, if you want more, you know what to do. <laughs> so Mike, let's uh, give them your plugs with your show again. And if you've got any closing thoughts for our, our wonderful free listeners, then let them have it. Yeah, sure. So yeah, check out Mike Adelic. You guys know how to use the internet, you know, just search uh, my name, Mike, you know, Mike, Mike Brancatelli, Mike Adelic. And uh, and, and yeah, whatever you feel called to, like, uh, I, I'm always like trying to th- think of episodes that uh, a lot. there's so many of them. And I've, and I did ones that are even 
like back in the day, I had John Perkins from who wrote Confessions of an Economic Hitman on the show, which is a great book. If you haven't read that, check that out. It's amazing. And uh, so, yeah, you can dig through the archives. I have a popular um, ayahuasca journey uh, thing that I did that a lot of people said that they really enjoyed. So that was further back. But yeah, Mikeadelic, it's everywhere uh, where podcasts are found. And yeah, thanks for having me. And I'm super excited to get into this second part chat. Uh, that's where it's at. So yeah. Um, I hope uh, a lot of a lot of people join us over there and and listen to uh, to what we're going to be getting into. Thanks, Chance. Yeah, man. Do you have a premium side of your show? You do a thing like that. You have a Patreon, yeah, right? I, I do. I have a Patreon, uh, and I put out a, a bonus episode. Uh, try I try and get a bonus episode out a week, and then I do an early release, and then I have a private Discord chat, and I have like other you know special things and and stuff that I do on there as well, like merch and stuff. Yeah. Cool. I always like when people have a paywall because that way, if they want to, they can grab the paywalled half of my show and put it on theirs. I don't care. I just want somebody involved to be in some way getting some reciprocation (laughs) because as fun as it is to sit here and talk, it's also, as you know, there's some work involved to do it to a, a level that is actually you know, makes you feel like it's worth it. So, uh, Mm -hmm. also in the second hour, I'd love to talk more about your ayahuasca experiences and how, how you got called, what the call feels like, uh, because maybe other people out there are curious, but we'll wrap this up. Everybody check out Mike's show and thanks for being here, man. We'll see members on the other side. Thank you. You made it to the end of the episode. Congratulations, but also thank you. Really appreciate sticking it through all the way to the finale where I talk to you by myself. So how's everybody doing? (laughs) Enjoying uh, the end of October, beginning of November here. I don't normally do this, but I'll just get like very minutely personal here and say it's been really, really intense lately in the personal life of myself and people I'm close with. I'm watching all kinds of attachments forcing themselves to become loosened and giving us real opportunities to move into our next phase of life. But man, it's scary. The things that you most don't want to let go of, sometimes you have to. And that really ultimately is the lesson that comes through psychedelics. It's always letting go because if you're having a bad trip, as they say, usually it's because there's some particular idea or thought that you're stuck on. And until you figure out what it is and let it go, the flow internally is going to feel stagnated and low, low flow. But returning to the flow state is what everything is all about, in my opinion. I think they can help us do that, the uh, plant medicines for sure, but there's lots of other ways to do it, from dancing to meditation to especially forms of art or even a good conversation. I feel like this one felt like a flow state the whole way through. I really appreciate getting to talk to Mike, even though I botched his first name. I swear I've heard him say it a bunch of times, so I shouldn't have messed that up, but... You know, I was winging it on that intro, totally off the cuff. So that's probably my issue. Usually I'll type in like the pronunciation of their name in my notes. and I'm reading off of that. But lately I've been going a little more freestyle and uh, hopefully those intros are still as entertaining and exciting as they have been in the past. I do like pre-writing them, but anyway, digressing a lot. This was cool, though. I really enjoyed the parts of the conversation regarding a healthy relationship with psychedelics and (laughs) comparing the way that plant medicines are resisted in culture 
despite the fact that it's already a super druggy culture. There's lots of things in the first hour that were very cool. But the second hour, as usual, was the uh, adult part of the conversation, you could say, the grown-up conversation. And in that, we talked about our thoughts on the virus, as my friend Derek Jamatronator likes to call it. <laughs> Pretending like the sensors don't already, they're not already on to me. They are, but hey, we got through it. We got a thousand followers on YouTube. And I'll, I don't remind you guys of this a lot, but if you don't know, there's video versions of the show on YouTube. If you're watching this on YouTube instead of listening or other video platforms, I'm on like BitChute and brand new tube, or I guess Facebook video, if you want to go there to that shithole. But if you were watching the video version, you would have the advantage of being able to see my cool new Lucid t-shirt. Man, I'm getting off topic, though. <laughs> Just wanted you to know that there are videos in the video places, right? Like I do put the time into putting together videos. Sometimes they look kind of cool and I put trippy visuals in it that I make every time for fun. But OK, other than that, in the plus extension, which I should also say you can get at patreon.com forward slash interverse for only five bucks a month, an entire second hour of talking to Mike. It's really cool. And if you guys out there are part of Mike's Patreon, I passed him the audio file to upload to his paywall because the more people can hear this conversation, the better, in my opinion. And that is all to say, I'm not trying to keep it from you. I just would like some reciprocation because it's a lot of work to do what I'm doing. And five bucks a month is really cheap with today's inflation. You could tip a server at a restaurant more than that very easily nowadays. And no offense, servers, but serving one table is a lot less work than putting together a weekly podcast. I've been a server, so I can speak freely about that. But that's plus. Get on it if you want to help support me and make me a better podcaster by giving me more time to do it, do more research, and uh, then you get something in return. Huge archive of excellent shows, probably like 100 extended shows by now. There's got to be something there you'd like. So what else was in the plus extension? We didn't talk about COVID very long. So if that is like a turnoff, no worries. It's only a small part of the conversation that leads into talking about bigger things like Saturn, <laughs> the Lord of the Rings, and the absolute power, the nature of absolute power, and the metaphor of the one ring. That was a good chunk of the conversation. I just love Lord of the Rings. And we discussed how psychedelics help you recognize fear. We talked a little bit about the symbolism in the novel Dune, because Mike said he was reading that. And I love that book. Very good one. If you want to uh, check it out, I recommend it. Talk to, talk to us about it on the Discord. If you want to lure me to the Discord, start talking about something like Dune or Lord of the Rings. I'll be in there in a heartbeat. But, okay, so we also discussed terminating our legal slavery, which is citizenship, believe it or not, and returning to a natural law-based reality. That was great. One of the best parts of this whole thing. It felt like everything was leading up to talking about this, which is the serfdom that we're all under and whether you want to call yourself any type of title like a libertarian or an anarchist or what have you the only way to get out of this legal slavery is to return to a natural law-based reality and if you are really into that topic like me just stay tuned there'll be probably forever for the rest of this show that's always going to be something that i try to work in from the angle that i can with whoever i'm talking to if it's there but we finished out with talking about psychedelics and imagination, classic imagination being such a big part of the history of this show. I do love when I can go there with somebody and yeah, open the door 
to imagination, step through the portal that is within you, not inside, not within sides, but within in the stillness where there are no sides. <laughs> okay. What else should I tell you guys about? Man, I, I did bring it up that I've been like feeling pretty emotional about personal life stuff. And, uh, I wanted to just let you guys know that not to complain, but just that I'm a human being like you and I've talked to other listeners and other friends and there seems to be something on the sky clock right now. I don't know. Just letting you know that if you're feeling it, I'm feeling it. If you're feeling something else, good for you. And we're all getting through it. This too shall pass. And uh, you're not alone out there, especially if like me, you kind of feel alienated sometimes by the things that you hold to be reality or truth and being unable to hold back whenever lies are spoken in front of me, sometimes that turns people off. And I haven't been making as many friends in real life as I've been making on the internet for a good year or two now. Not complaining because my internet friends are wonderful and I love you guys out there, but... Yeah, I'm with you. If that's hard for you, I'm with you. It's not always hard, but this year, obviously people are more polarized than ever. The fever pitch of the uh, selection, so-called voting. But okay, let's move on. I love you guys. Thanks for hearing me out. I feel better now, I guess. <laughs> uh, but other ways you can support the show besides plus would be to send money on PayPal. I guess you could just donate straight up. You can leave a review on iTunes. That's free. And there are links in the show notes to the affiliate store that I've got a link with on Secret Energy. Great cleansing products there. And also you can hop into the Discord and support us with your presence. That's a great present. The charity of your time and attention and ideas and information. All of that stuff is greatly appreciated. And thank you to everyone that's in the Discord already. And thank you to all the Plus members that are even now still hearing me out, even though you already know what we talked about in Plus. I'm going to play us out with a song from a good many years ago by Median. It's a NetSky remix. It's called Finale. <laughs> For whatever reason, as uh, our friend Corinne Wilson, a cult priestess, would say, I had a God is your DJ moment with this song, and I thought, screw it. If YouTube gets mad at me for copyright on this one, whatever, but... I'm playing it. It's my podcast, and I'm only seeking to promote this cool song. I hope you like it. Finale by Median, the NetSky remix, and it'll be linked in the show notes with everything else. And like I mentioned, there's a video version, so while you listen to the outro song, you can like watch the cool visualizer I made. If you're into that sort of thing, I always like listening to music and watching visuals. Not enough of that in person in 2020. Although I did see some live music over the weekend for the first time all year. Lucid, that's why I got this t-shirt. Lucid is probably one of the most frequently played outro things on the show. And I would have played some of his new album if I hadn't been playing so much of him lately. And I hadn't had that God is your DJ moment with this track I'm about to start. But that's all to say, go check out Lucid on SoundCloud too, because he's badass at music. And it was really good to see some live music and he totally... Brought the place to life with the uh, the jams, the beats, frequencies. Good stuff. His new album is called For the Birds. It's completely buck wild, crazy loco. Should have called it For Loco. All right, that's enough screet teaming for Lucid. Although I do it for free. I really like that guy. <laughs> 
And uh, thanks for listening. I hope you guys are not just hanging in there, but thriving and finding the truth wherever you're looking for it. Definitely inside, within, not inside. I already made that distinction. Within yourself. All right. And the truth shall shut you free. Peace out. Much love. Bye-bye.
Oh, 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 oh,